What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear, drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. This dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite designs. His uh, clothing is heavy in my rotation. If you need jackets, shirts, prints, Jungle Television has got you covered. And uh, if you use the code DCP at checkout, you can get 20% off of your next Jungle Television order. So I'll put all those links in the episode notes so you can keep up with Jungle Television. And I appreciate Alex and his support for the podcast and for creating some of the dopest t-shirts in my closet. Let's start the episode. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars. You say a few nice words and uh, that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international level, helping strangers find the podcast. Great way to contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the people that have already taken the time to do that. You can also find the show on Spotify now and you can give it a follow there. And I have also started doing monthly playlists on Spotify, so you can follow that. I'll put the link in the episode notes, releasing those every first of the month. And uh, this being January 1st, there's a a January playlist is now up there. So there's a a couple of them to check out there. Also trying to figure out how to get those up on iTunes as well. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances, things of that nature. So check all that out, and all the links will be in the episode notes, including the link for my guest of this week's podcast, first podcast of the year, episode 237. Nosila is on the show, Allison Segura. She also plays in a group called Soft Tiger, and... uh, just a killer producer, great songwriter, and she uh, has definitely been on my my radar for the last couple years. I've seen her name on on bills going on around here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, I know quite a few of her friends, and many of them have been on the the podcast in the past, like Haley Johnson and Isabeau and holly ann but uh allison and i had not really crossed paths too many times and the only time that we did was at a show so it was just kind of a a a hello so this is the first time had the opportunity to sit down with her get to know her a bit which was really rad and i've just been uh 
really digging her tunes, uh, specifically the stuff that is on the most recent EP that she put out, which is called Of Course I Still Love You, uh, this really cool three-song EP that we're going to feature a couple of those jams in the episode, and uh, as well as a Soft Tiger song at the end of the episode. So stoked to share this conversation. I thought we touched on some some cool topics just as far as knowing when to take up space and and the patience it takes to to sort of learn that and uh songwriting processes and whatnot so really enjoyed this hang and uh if you if you dig the music that you hear on this episode uh please do give nocila a follow wherever you listen to music and uh as well as the soft tiger stuff and Allison's studio pastel studio which she does a, a lot of different creative stuff out of there and we chatted about that a bit in the episode as well so um all those links will be in the episode notes shout out to isabel Wai walker for introducing allison and i at that holly ann show and um we're going to get into it. Episode 237, first episode of 2021. Allison Segura, a.k.a. Nosila, is uh, on the podcast, and we're going to kick it off with a track on the Of Course I Still Love You EP by Nosila. This one is called Dark. This song is featured on that January playlist that the, the link in the episode notes will be there. So if you dig it, follow the song, follow the playlist. Let's do the damn thing. I feel tripping over sideways, getting out of my way, making everything too hard. You hear me say it's up on my way, explain it, try to unsay all the things that break.
Okay. I'm ready. You ready I like to your do... Po- I like your podcast, by the way. I do listen to them occasionally. Oh, wow. I appreciate That's... it. Thank you. That's yeah. uh, super kind of you to say. I like your yeah. uh, your music quite a bit, Allison. Thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah. I, I have not had the opportunity to see it happen uh, live, but uh, I think maybe it was like a year ago when Holly mm-hmm. Ann put out her record at Mississippi Studios. I think Isabeau maybe mm-hmm. uh, introduced us mm-hmm. that night. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember us meeting and I feel like I've seen you with my friends enough to where I've made a connection in my brain that we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> right on. But like, like we're we're not like, I mean, we are, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, I, I totally understand you. Yeah. Uh, you you definitely uh, surround yourself with some uh, some people that I uh, definitely admire and have a lot of respect for it. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, I definitely like feel the same about you. It seems like you are, you you know, you, you're a friend. You're you're just right. like in the circle. Homies. Yes, yes. <laughs> Portland is small anyway. It's like high school. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how long have you been out in Portland? Almost four years, actually. Yeah, it feels shorter, but it will be four years in February. So. Like and where'd you come out here from? Michigan. Midwest. Yeah, Midwest. Represent. So the gloominess does not <laughs> scare me. Um, people are always like, oh, it rains in Portland. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it beats snow. <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, the Pacific Northwest seems to attract a lot of Midwesterners because yeah. of that. Like They're right. like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. That it rains all the time. It's nice yeah. that it's not negative five and I don't have to go shovel the driveway in the winter or figure exactly. out how I'm going to get my car out of this. Yes. Yes. I had, it was, like, the winter I left, like, weeks before I left even, I took my dogs out. It was, like, negative 10 degrees. I They wouldn't walk. They were like, no, we're not going outside. We'd rather piss <laughs> ourselves than go outside. And my boogers <laughs> were like freezing in my nose. Um, it was insane. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm leaving." <laughs> I try not to complain about like places I live because I think that just gets you in a negative loop or whatever. But when I knew I was leaving for sure, I was like, "Okay, nope, this sucks. Bye, <laughs> bye, frigid winters." So. Were you uh, born and raised Midwest? No, actually, I was born and raised in New England, so similar vibes. So I just okay. kept on <laughs> coming out this way, you know, making little, I don't know, 30-hour driving jumps till I got to the West did you, Coast. Did you, go out to, uh, did you go out to the Midwest for for school? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when did you... When did you catch the the music bug? When did you start writing tunes? Well, for sure when I was a kid. Um, that doesn't sound like an original story anymore, but you know, <laughs> everyone did when they, you know, whatever. But my mom was actually a, a songwriter herself, so I think I got like the songwriter bug. I don't know if I 
always wanted to like just be a performer and I'm still not so sure about that sometimes. But I definitely like, ooh, like I will nerd out about lyrics. I'll be that person, you know? Like, so I caught yeah. that at a pretty young age because um, my mom, yeah. Yeah, did you grow up seeing her play music and play gigs and stuff like that? Yeah, she was, um, she had some like vocal health issues later in life, but when I was younger, she did some local stuff and like sang in church and stuff. So I got the guitar vibe thing too. I learned how to play guitar eventually and yeah, did that whole deal. So there were some uh, some instruments laying around the house then? Yeah, definitely piano, guitar. I don't think much else, honestly. Yeah, I don't think I started doing more stuff until after college. Did you gravitate towards the instruments in the house on your own? Yeah. I mean, I think I tried to resist it because I was like... Mm, different than my family I'm not gonna be <laughs> whatever you know you think you're, yeah but then you just eventually do what your family does <laughs> kind of or or you have to be very intentional not to um but yeah <laughs> definitely gravitated towards it eventually did you start kind of developing your own taste in music and your own music collection at a pretty young age Actually, I feel like I was late to, like, kind of developing my own individuality as a, like, taste-wise. I think I kind of just, at first, was doing what was around me. So, like, more church music and um, what my mom did, which is, like, singer-songwriter stuff. And then in college, I studied music, but the only... I went to a pretty small college, so the only... Thing that I really and I only went because my friend like one of my best friends went so I'm like yeah let's go to this random school in Michigan and the only thing I was really interested in in their music department because it was pretty small was vocals but they only taught classical singing so I learned how to sing oh, opera wow. in college and that is why I'm a music teacher now because it's like oh like skill i guess i don't know um but i think like that started opening me up to like some new stuff that i didn't grow up with but um definitely after college i feel like i started developing a sense of who i was as a musician because it it was sort of like up until then either i was doing what was around me or in college i was doing what was in my major you know and then right. i I never quite felt like, you know, any of those things that were around me at the time um, were, like, speaking to my soul, though. So I think I did feel restless. It was like, who am I as a musician? And so, yeah, led me eventually. But it was a slow, it was a slow journey. So, like, back in high school, were you writing your own tunes or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was all cool. So you're, so, yeah, but but like your your interest in like doing some sort of writing or like expressing yourself in that way was was happening in high school. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was writing music since I was like a baby, little kid, like 
Yeah. I'd have my little emo moment in the woods and I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah. Just even when I was young, I, I felt that like just the need to create was what really drew me to music. All the performing stuff always was like, ah, anxiety, but I think like the writing definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were you always sort of jotting down lyrics of some form or, or poetry yeah. in some way? I was um, probably a music like melody first person even though i really liked the um lyric part of it but lyrics came as like a whole process it wasn't usually like what started the idea so i'd definitely be like record i had this little oh man before before (laughs) before phones had voice memo i know what hell yeah there i had a little (laughs) tiny it was like i got it from best buy it was so expensive for what it was i'm so mad but it was like basically a tiny little voice recorder it was like pocket size like maybe four inches long and like an inch wide it was like thin and i just take that everywhere with me and i'd start my songs that way a little melody and then then the lyrics would come later you still got that tape recorder you know maybe I don't you know. should pull it out try to find it maybe should sample it something off of it you know oh shoot <laughs> i do back. have my mom's like old eight track it's a Tascam like tape recorder like you oh, do that's eight rad. tracks and i have not i got it like a year ago and i haven't used it yet but i should it would be so cool, you know, like all this stuff comes back and it's like, oh, it's retro, it's cool. But, you know, you have to wait long enough or else it's like, Ugh. Right. But I guess I guess also something like something nice about maybe like exploring that that a track now is mm-hmm. is maybe just the like having to force like a different sort of creativity because you only have those eight tracks to mess Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Yes. Also, you can't put lots of plugins on your 8-track. Right? <laughs> so you have to like get the sound you want going in, which is, that is a hard thing for me because I mess with a lot of stuff. It still blows me away, even just making little voice memos with the, the phone or mm-hmm. just even recording it, uh, some sort of demo idea with an acoustic and just singing in a room and, and like what great quality you can get from an iPhone because um i graduated high school in 2003 and that technology was nowhere near there (laughs) like the shit that you the shit that you had to do at that point to try to build some sort of demo was so extensive i know it's so true even like the videos you can make on your phone now I mean, I had a like a like a handheld camcorder that I like. Me and my friends, oh my god, we'd make like music videos to like our favorite whatever was on. Like we'd lip sync, which is like, wait, isn't that like TikTok? Except, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were pre TikTok TikTok, okay, but yeah. it was on a little. I should bust that out too. That would be cool for a music video. Bring out the high camera. Yeah. Do the like thing. Charlie XCS X has like a 
did a photo shoot with like a little camcorder like that. I don't know if I'm cool and hip enough to know who that is. It's it's pretty pop pop, so I don't know if some people would say that it's not cool. So I like her. But <laughs> you know, it really depends on your music taste if it's cool to you or not. <laughs> so like in college were you just kinda playing some some folky singer songwriter music? Oh yeah. All day. I also got on that Mumford and Sons kick that everyone got on. Yeah, you oh. busted out like the bow oh. tie and and. Oh, the... I don't know if I did like the style, but okay. definitely like the the really like the dun 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 dun, dun, dun yeah. like that kind of strumming. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, all day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And were you were you? I know you said that there was a lot of anxiety about you know, playing the music, I guess, in front of people. So were you even doing that sort of thing? Or were you always kind of doing some bedroom recordings and, and just a few people knew that you played music sort of thing? Oh, no, no, no. I was always on stage for some reason. I I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up in church, so I got a lot of exposure to being on stage doing that. Okay. Um. I think, honestly, as much as, you know, I have mixed feelings about the way I grew up, um, I do, I am thankful for that experience. Not a lot of kids, I can't think of a lot of places where kids get to, or like younger adults get to, like, kind of work out the performing kinks. Like, and I, I, I think it is a learned skill. Like, I do think some people are more naturally gifted. You know, I right. would not be on the naturally gifted side of it, but I've learned some things doing the growing up in church thing that really helped me work some of my anxiety out, which I still have plenty to go around in case yeah. you're wondering. But yeah, <laughs> so I to answer your question, definitely did a lot of performing. And then, of course, like, you know, being a music major, I had to do it um, on campus a lot and then, you know. I was always in choir and we had like a touring choir. We did all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've, uh, I've talked to quite a few people now, you know, that grew up going to church and, and the amount of music they got to play was definitely this huge draw for so many of those people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you can't, you can't argue that that, you know, doesn't form you as a musician in some way especially if you're a regular in the worship band or something and you're playing like six services every weekend like you're getting a lot of a lot of time to play and a lot of time to play with other people mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean hey gotta love it in some way <laughs> <laughs> were you uh were you playing music with other people or was it kind of always a, a solo type thing it was mostly a solo thing i don't think i really like i think because i grew up in with like the folk influence a lot from my family and stuff um that world is very much solo based it's very much like bleeding heart and finger picking you know which i love don't get me wrong i'm obsessed um but that world yeah it's very solo focused so it didn't really occur to me to build a band i guess 
or like to yeah. i don't know it just didn't occur until again after college when i was like oh maybe i want to try pop and stuff so after college i had a few little bands that never recorded anything but we were like just trying out you know stretching our wings a little bit writing a few songs um and then I don't think I had like a full on like band band until I came to Portland actually, which is very recently. So yeah, it's kind of me by myself most of the time, which is actually I'm so sad that I came so late to the band game because it's so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely becomes more of that uh that communal experience when you get to share yeah. it with other people. Yeah. But then there's this uh, also this undeniable thing about being on a stage by yourself and the what that exposes of yourself I think is is a special thing too. Yeah, I think I'll probably like full circle eventually, but I think I'm just so like thankful to be where I'm at now that I'm like I can't really fathom doing it on my own anymore. Like yeah. But maybe some, I think probably like I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I just miss playing guitar and I'll probably get back into it and then like do some solo acoustic album, you know, yeah. you're picking it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you moved to Portland, were you already um, doing the pop music thing? I was very, very like new at production at the time. Like I was just barely like. I think I recorded like a demo before I came, but yeah, no, not really. I had put out some things that were like, like, I think this is where I want to go, but it was still pretty folky, but it was like in that area of folk where it was like sort of starting to not be what folk people want to hear anymore. So I was like, oh, I think I'm like going in a different direction and then i got here and i had no friends <laughs> so <laughs> all i did all day was learn how to produce so there was like this weird serendipity that happened with moving here it wasn't necessarily like portland that made me want to try pop it was like the time that i had all of a sudden and i told myself i was just gonna like learn how to use logic but then it turned into like oh i'm actually wanting to produce pop music now so it's pretty cool yeah aside from having that time when you moved to portland to really dedicate to learning all of the production what what kind of opened you up to that world and got you interested in that Ooh, i don't know that's a good question <laughs> hmm let me think about that one for a second shoot you know what it is okay it's the songwriter in me. It's the songwriter in me because producing to me feels like an extension of songwriting. And that was always the part that I liked the most is the songwriting is the creation process. Um, and I think, again, because I was like doing folk music, kind of doing what was around me for so long, there was part of me that really wanted to just go in on the, the part that I love the most and not try to do all the other things. Um, and not that I would never like 
try to perform again, but it just was going to become less of a priority, I think, is what I, I was feeling. And then, you know, when I discovered that producing feels very similar to songwriting, I was like, yes, I'm hook, line, sinker, done. That's all I want to do all the time now. So... Yeah. I mean, I still love performing. I'm making it sound like I hate it, but (laughs) it's just not my, it's not what, like if I had to choose, you know, I would easily choose producing and songwriting any day. Yeah, no, I I feel that. That's, that's, that's understandable. And I've seen, I've seen some videos of you, uh, performing live. You, you, uh, you obviously enjoy that quite a bit too. Once you're once you're in it, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? You know, there is like part of you that I think every songwriter wants their music to be heard. It's not like, yeah, music is not. It is a communal experience. I don't know a lot of musicians who write music and like never share it with anyone at all. You know? Do yeah. You? For sure. Uh no. No, not too many. No. I'm I mean, sure there's there some some closet probably. folks out there that that just like to uh, you know, it's it's serving to them enough. Yeah. to just write, I guess, you know. I used to play a lot more music out in front of people and uh I I don't know. I don't do it anymore. Yeah? I haven't done it in years. Oh my I, gosh, I still I'm... write songs at like most most days at home. Like most people don't even know that I play music that like know about this podcast. Dude. <laughs> this now is I like not, hear it. not a thing. No, now I want to no, hear don't. it. Now your fans <laughs> want to hear it. No. Your fans need to hear it. No. I think Post a demo on no. Instagram. Just a snippet. For me, I think it was uh getting exposed to so many people that I thought were like truly talented at writing and playing music through doing this podcast that it became like very intimidating i think to ever put music out after that Hmm. you know that happened to me when i came to portland i think a little bit i stopped playing guitar as much because i I met so many people who were great players because i started working (laughs) at a music school and then you know all the guitar teachers are shredding in the halls and they're little kids their little students are shredding and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't deserve to own a guitar. That's sad <laughs> though. It's sad. Yeah, I, no. I think I, you should still know. share it. But I get it uh, also. You know, I get what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. It's just when you see certain people do something, I just, I'm like, oh, you uh, you understand this on a on a different level. I think <laughs> this whole musician thing and and uh, songwriting thing, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It still it still serves its uh, its therapeutic release, I suppose, for myself. If I'm still mm. writing tunes at home and still singing some songs, still gives a a similar yeah release, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure I'm missing something though, like from yeah. not doing it in front of people. And I'm certainly there's no way that I'm at the level of comfortability that I once was mm. of playing in front of people. I'm sure you do lose it if you don't use it. Kind of. Were you already 
kind of engineering your own stuff like as far as demos were you pretty familiar with like software at all when you dove into this production world no zero i started from very very zero like full-on zero um and actually one of the other things that drew me to production is my frustration at the engineering producing world predominantly male and predominantly douchey (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) i don't think that's actually true but my experience was was that it's a thing it's a real thing (laughs) so i'm like fuck this i'm gonna learn how to do my own shit even if it's awkward at first even if it sounds like trash i'm gonna get better yeah and i i did get through the trash years it took a while but i got through it did you do you feel like you took to learning that stuff pretty well yeah i mean i don't know if i'm any more talented than anyone i just became obsessed with it for like the first couple years like obsessed I was like going to work and if a student like was late or canceled or I was like on my iPad watching tutorials on YouTube all day long, hours on end until I learned at least enough to start doing it. And then I do it for hours as much as I could every day, mostly, except for the weekends, not not as much, but every work day until I felt comfortable enough to like start putting out little awkward demos and then went from there so you were just stoked that you like finally had all the power in your hands to (laughs) like make these tunes (laughs) pretty much i was just like why didn't anyone tell me that this is fun why did i think that you know my friend's roommate from college who has a mic in his awkward apartment like couldn't do anything better than I could do, you know? Not right. to say people with mics in their awkward apartments aren't doing dope sh- shit, but yeah. That's me, by but the way. But you can do it too. I have, <laughs> I have a mic in my awkward apartment, so calling myself out here too. Were you always playing like some sort of keys along with uh, playing the guitar growing up? No. Um, I learned just enough piano for undergrad. We had to take piano proficiency. I was a vocal um, music major, but we had to take a piano proficiency course and I passed barely. So I can do like, I know theory, like I can teach theory. I know my way around a keyboard. I'm just not quick. So I I stick to root, like root chords and mostly, yeah, simple triads. Sometimes I'll add some fun stuff, but yeah. Mostly using it as like a writing tool then for songs. Yeah, yeah. I don't really see myself as an instrumentalist, really. I mean, I I think I have enough guts to use instruments as a tool. Um, but like, if I if someone wanted me to play some instrument in their band, I'd be like, ah, what? <laughs> and that's happened like once or twice, and I'm like feeling very insecure. But so when I'm like hearing a 
a baseline on a record of yours, are you actually playing that baseline or is that something you're just kind of creating in the box or do you source out other musicians sometimes to come play some tracks for you? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, most of the time it is a plug-in, however, and I'm playing it out on the keyboard. So I hear something in my brain and I do my very slowest to do it on the keyboard. It takes a little bit. Sometimes I have to like, if I get a wrong note or I can't nail it, I'll fix it later. Pencil tool is my favorite friend. So, yeah. Like now when you're writing songs, are you usually starting it like in the box, so to speak? Or are you usually still always starting on like a guitar or keys? Yeah, I think I've kind of switched over to fully doing everything off the computer. Um, Again, like I was saying before, I think I'll probably have a full circle moment, but I'm just, I'm loving this new, I don't know, it's just so exciting. You know, it's like new sounds and I I get inspired by like a synth patch I find or um, a sample or something and and I go off the mood of that or I have something in my mind that I'm kind of going for and I try to find something to match that mood. but not very often anymore am I starting on an acoustic instrument. Just throw just throwing a drum loop down. And Yeah. And I like kinda add I do the thing where I know some writers do this, but um more pop writers, but you kinda come up with a basic track that you like or you build a, a scratch track really quickly and then you plug in your mic and you try to just ad lib over it. Um I do that a lot as well sort of ad-libbing and then find something I like the best and then go off that. And what about the uh, the writing of lyrics? Is that still kind of one of those things where you're always jotting things down? You know, again, I think the lyrics kind of come all at once for me. Like it's not, I don't, I don't usually, I do have a notes folder of like little ideas that I do draw from sometimes, but most of the time when I'm writing lyrics, it's all in one fell swoop because I'm trying to tell a story. And I also, it also depends, like lyrics for me also depend on the project. Like I have a side project called Soft Tiger that's more pop focused. It's also more of an attempt to get license licenses. So it's not as much my artsy, um, feelings or whatever it's kind of and it we we write those songs much more quick like we're we're just doing them really fast so i i don't actually know some of those songs to be honest i don't even know what they mean (laughs) (laughs) um but that's not the point of those songs like the point of those songs is right more entertainment focus um for the no stuff for my personal project though i'm always trying to tell a story so the lyrics come out all in one fell swoop most of the time and i'm very picky very picky about that and i always like even i kind of always um imagine if i were to be like on some sort of podcast where someone or you know the song exploder podcast where they like take apart the song yeah Absolutely. I, 
I <clears throat> always put things in my lyrics that I'm like, if I were to ever do something like that, I would want to have like some hidden fun things. So that's what I'm always doing. Um, just for my own, like, that's just me being artsy, <laughs> fartsy, feeling my feels. So, yeah, totally different ways of writing, though. And I, I feel like that's an important thing for writers to, like, what is the purpose of what you're writing? Are you trying to tell a story? Are you trying to express yourself? Are you just trying to connect in a more entertaining way, make people feel alive and happy and give them something to dance to? Um, having that framing really can help eliminate a lot of the like writer's block that you get or like overthinking that happens when you write, I think. Be like a clear vision for what yeah. you're going for. Do you kind of always know then when you're, when you sit down and you've got a song idea, do you know pretty quickly, oh, this is definitely a No Celia song or this is for something else? Oh, yeah, 100%. I have songs too that are like for a third project that I might start someday, who knows? Um, but yeah, I know. I know um, also what I want my EPs to be like adv- like years in advance if I ever get around to it, you know, like um, the last EP I put out for Nocila was based on um, a story from, well, sort of like a, a lifelong journey. One of my family members went through addiction. So that whole EP is about that. And then this next EP is about think about growing up and like sort of leaving I don't know the safety of a lot of things you held dear maybe at one time and things kind of change and you grow and leave some people behind and find new people um that's what this next one's about (laughs) yeah it's heavy yeah it's heavy it's a lot it's a lot (laughs) so the of course I still love you that's the the one stemming from uh addiction yeah yeah yeah, there's some uh this blood on the floor track. Yes. is uh is on that record and I think that's that was kind of one of the first songs I heard of yours. Mm. And it hit heavy quickly. And I was yeah. I was super I was super into it. So, Thanks. um I definitely want to play this song Blood on the Floor from Nosila on the Of Course I Still Love You EP. There's blood on the floor and I can't get it out You're playing the moment that it all went This
Love the the space that you create with that that tune though. There's like lots of air and lots of room for things to breathe. And then when that the percussion comes in in the second verse, is uh, yeah, all the all the feels. Yeah. With that one. That one's a, that one's a tough one too. Like the subject matter is heavy. Yeah. Have you always been pretty comfortable with exposing like? Just being vulnerable in that way and expressing yourself through the music. Yeah, I actually, I think I'm a little too comfortable with it sometimes. I've been in the last maybe three years, I've been sort of like realizing that vulnerability has a flip side. I, <laughs> I, it's absolutely important. Most people could stand to be a little more vulnerable, but um, for me. I found that I sort of I found value in like overexposing myself sometimes because it it is a way to connect to people and I've been trying to dig deep um inside a little bit more before I jump to you know being vulnerable and processing out loud um so yeah, that's just something I've been trying to do for my personal life, like process things first with myself and then sort of filter what what's for people and what's not. Because I think I kind of grew up in a space where like you're supposed to tell everyone everything and and that's really powerful and really beneficial in a lot of ways, but it can also leave you feeling like you're not doing the inner work to really heal from anything you're just sort of verbal diarrhea or you know always just like finding validation on the outside instead of like doing the work on the inside so yeah 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 that yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's uh yes yeah. very well said i i can't agree more with yeah. uh as far as taking the time sometimes to just process things on your own before yeah. expressing everything yeah. I think is um, a big game changer it's definitely something that, that yeah it's taking a lot of time and like learning that patience to do that yeah is uh, not an easy process and I also have felt very similar in the past mm. of just like or just being one of those overshares or like mm exposing those vulnerabilities because it it feels it feels powerful i guess it mm. feels good most of the time yeah and then i guess it, it's also you know maybe drawing upon some folks that have done that and i've seen them do that and what it's done for me mm. but there is also yeah like you gotta navigate like learn to navigate when it's time to do that when it's not time to do it yeah I guess. and uh yeah, especially just being someone that's like shared a lot of stuff through words and, mm -hmm. and maybe some of it was just like shocking to be mm -hmm. shocking or yeah. <laughs> things of that nature or mm -hmm. talking for hours and hours on a <laughs> dumb podcast. Like, no, I'm you know, you're bound, you're bound it. to you're bound to 
to say some things or yeah you know, maybe maybe share something you weren't expecting to and yeah. then trying to figure out if that was the right place to do it mm-hmm. i mean obviously vulnerability is good i'm not trying to say it's bad i just think for me it was like a there was a moment where i'm like oh i don't need to also like i don't i don't need to share everything but i also don't need to be so sure all the time there's a there's a part of the vulnerability that's like i've figured it out and here's like what i figured out and now where i'm at is like I'm figuring it out and I might not ever figure it out and being okay with just saying I don't know and not giving people an answer. So like if someone asks you a question about something um, that you might not be comfortable answering in like a public setting or I don't know, whatever it is, um, like being able to say like, oh, I don't know, or like saying something vague instead of like trying to you know, make people happy by giving them an answer all the time, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, just being comfortable with that, too, is that was a tough thing to learn, but I'm learning how to do that better. Boundaries. Boundaries. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm learning about that, too. It's very hard. My family doesn't have (laughs) them. The whole whole deconstructing process of life is is a real trip. Oh, it's a fun uh yeah yeah it's just like a whole lot of unlearning i feel yeah, like yeah <laughs> you just have to uh, unlearn a bunch of shit yeah um yeah. have you found over time that you've uh gotten better or feel better about the way you deliver your messages as far as maybe working more through the mystery of the the lyrics instead of being so direct i don't think i've gotten there yet um, I think I am getting there though. Like this next EP, I would like to tell the stories of the EP, not so directly from my own mouth, but um, through interviews with people telling stories that are similar to the ones that I'm writing about. Um, mm. that feels good to me. Um, I don't know if it's you know better or worse. I don't, I don't know if that would be the way to frame it, but just. It feels like I'm getting closer to what I'm trying to communicate and how I want to communicate it. I want to be able to share parts of me openly and willingly, but I also don't want to be the person who's always talking in the room or like, you know, taking up space all the time. It's just, it's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you, uh, write well from other people's stories or perspectives is that easy for you to to draw on from a lyrical standpoint yeah i think so um pretty i'm like an empath so i like imagine people's things pretty well so i think probably most of my songs are a mix of like something i've experienced and like something someone else has experienced for sure I was curious about the remix of Shiver that's mm. on the EP. Yes. Is that uh is that something you really love about this style of building songs that that a song can always be kind of open-ended and reinterpreted later and rearranged? Yeah. I mean, I love the first version of Shiver um 
my friend Aaron, the guy who I do Soft Tiger with, did that. Um, or I would say that was like like earlier on in my producing. So we produced it together. That wasn't fully me. But I really felt like that song, like the lyrics were saying something that I wanted the production to reflect a little bit more. Um, so I just was like, yeah, I want to do another one. <laughs> I don't know. Like, why not? And it's not even like a remix. It's like a under remix or a, I don't know what you'd call that, like a more boring version. <laughs> <laughs> and like no one listens to it, but it's actually one of my personal faves. All my personal faves are like the, the ones that people don't usually ask about. <laughs> it's fine. That's how it goes. I dig I dig the remix Thanks. a lot. Thanks. I think I think I like it more than the original. Yes. For, for sure. And Dark, the song I played at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. That is like a jam I can't like get out of my head. Yes. Now that it's been in my rotation. Yeah. I just yeah, it's just yeah. vibes for days. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I think there's a uh, I don't know. I just appreciate like all the the character you add to the to the pop music. Like it doesn't feel nice. like it's this uh like I've definitely talked about it a bit on this podcast that pop music can have this negative connotation mm-hmm. and maybe like scare some people away, yeah. especially if they're into more like indie music yeah. um yeah. and things of that nature, but um I think there's definitely a different feel when it it doesn't uh, have like this manufactured pop like song to it. Yeah. I don't know, like when when someone like yourself who wants to like make pop music and is doing it on your own and doesn't mm-hmm. have like fifteen other writers in the room, right. yeah, to create one song, I think it has a different energy. Yes, to and it for also sure. I'm poor, so I cannot afford. <laughs> a professional <laughs> pop mix and that gives it a lot of dirt and grit that's unintentioned but it's there <laughs> no i'm just kidding i i love my mixes i'm not but you know like the amount of mixing that a pop like a top 40 like pop song goes through is insane like yeah you wouldn't be in this room recording on this mic first of all Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but I mean, yeah, the flip side of that is it sounds unique. It you know, you have to deal with a lot of room noise and do some weird stuff to the vocals to carry <laughs> to cover that up. Yeah. Do you uh do you enjoy the mixing as much as the, the songwriting? No. Um I think I'm a little scared of mixing. I don't do the mixing I do probably half of it this point but i yeah i'm more i'm still like i guess producing and mixing are our cousins i'd say like when you're producing you really are kind of mixing like you're choosing you know sounds and you're manipulating them and putting plugins and reverb and all that stuff you're mixing but like i'm not I don't feel like I have the room or like the equipment for really getting that that view of a song that a mixer can get like how to balance out a track. 
and like how to EQ out problematic frequencies and all that stuff. Like I'm not there yet. I think probably I will be like just doing it over and over, but that's a skill that that takes a lot longer, I think, than learning how to produce. Producing is more like learning software. And then if you have a brain for music at all, I think that just happens. I think, I don't know. Um, but mixing, I feel like it's like, it does take some, some equipment and some yeah. ears. It's good to have, uh, an extra set of ears too on yeah. a project, I think. Yeah, for is, sure. Is usually helpful. I think that's also just rad and important that you you have recognized that you can only get them to a certain point. Yeah. Right now. Oh, for sure. Because because yeah. uh, they sound so good. Like, Thanks. They they definitely you know bang in the in the car and stuff yeah. and Thanks. they hit <laughs> and everything. Good. So, yes. um, is it easy for you to? to just put the songs over to the mixer and let them be or are you pretty involved in that (laughs) no i'm picky (laughs) i'm the worst i'm like like the person who has like the email drafts on drafts like and then like bullets by like yeah specific notes you're gonna want to put that um the kick drum down by like 0.5 0.5 db and like yeah could you boost the um the vocal at around like 5 or 4k and like it's just a little bit like could you manual ds like but i will say i'm getting better at delivering um stems that are more like are closer to what i want already and then i'm also like developing relationships with people that i'm going back to so they're getting closer to what i want right off the bat so right. yes i'm picky but also like the process is is getting smoother as i get better and as i grow those relationships with people yeah i think it's also helpful that you understand some of the vocabulary too that like you know what you're asking for yeah yeah i definitely definitely picky. like yeah whether you <laughs> whether you're picky and asking for a bunch of stuff yeah it's it's uh it's not terribly difficult when you know what you're asking yeah. for i'm obsessed with this band do you know the japanese house the japanese house yeah i look do a, not look them up okay so i'm obsessed with their mix okay. like their mixes are amazing okay i would like my mixes to get there one day um but I asked, like, I used the Japanese house as a reference mix for one of my songs. I don't remember which one. But um, the the person mixing, like, looked up who mixed it. And they're like, yeah, um, this person also mixes Beyonce and, like, a lot of other, like... <laughs> so, like, yeah, we can try to get as close to that. But, like, the reason why that sounds so good is because this is top dollar... And I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> get there someday. Uh, talk to me about Pastel Studio that you launched this year. So, I've taught for other people for a really long time. And I guess I just, I've always had like students of my own, but never gave it any structure. So, I started Pastel just to like, a catch-all for all my students that ended up with me not through a school um but with me solo and 
then I guess like the pandemic hit and I was like kind of thinner on students because I mean, you know, some people want to do Zoom lessons, but not everyone. So I was like, okay, what am I going right. to do? <laughs> so I started um, doing other things as well with pastel. So I kind of like reformed it from being more of like just for my students and more for like artists and students. So now, I don't know. I'm, you know, it's it's pretty young still. So I don't really know. It might just be like the side hustle, side gig thing that I always do. Or maybe I'll grow it into real business. I mean, it would be really cool to have like a physical space that's not my apartment someday, you know, like a studio space right. um, where I could, you know, serve artists in different ways, like producing and photography or whatever, but then also have some students every once in a while. That would be the dream. But right now I'm still like, hmm, I can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And yeah. Do you enjoy producing for other people quite a bit? I do. I really like it. I'm new at it still because I'm still so new at it for myself. But um, so I'm yeah. getting like the process down a little bit still. So I would say I'm I'm slow, but my prices sort of reflect my speed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would imagine that that just... Uh like working a new muscle and mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to draw the best out of this person that you're working with yeah 100 percent. has the soft tiger stuff been helpful in uh in developing like that collaborative mentality when producing for other people yeah so i me and aaron through soft tiger i mean really developed a great working relationship and he's more of a mixing engineer and so our sort of like combined effort is really I think really cool and we're trying to I mean probably not like right away but we're sort of testing the waters um as us as a duo like offering like a top to bottom service for artists where they can come produce a song get it mixed get photos and design work all under kind of one roof, like a creative studio of sorts. Um, that's kind of where our dreams are headed. Um, we tried it this fall with a friend, and we're working on that song right now. So that was really fun. Yeah, I really love, I love working with Aaron, and we're just we got a really good, like musical chemistry together we're kind of similar we don't hurt each other's feelings because that's one thing about like working with other musicians is like if you don't speak the same musical language you can hurt each other's feelings more easily i feel like you know yeah or if your vibes are different like yeah it's a lot of hurt feelings <laughs> right and then also just like navigating yeah how to like be honest about tracks right. without hurting people's feelings because right. yeah. if you're not honest about the stuff mm -hmm. then that that just gets in the way yeah and builds resentment right exactly so we're like at this place where we're just like we're past any of that we're good at being honest but encouraging us as well we're not i think some musical relationships can be honest but they're not positive so they kind of go sour 
you know like if there isn't a balance between like feedback and being honest and like positivity and like encouragement like that was dope mix as vocal mix on that was better than last time amazing um don't love that you changed out the bass sound you know yeah i mean i just the balance Uh, like any relationship obviously (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely is that also you feel like that's pretty important to your solo stuff to kind of have this additional outlet to dump these other ideas yeah 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 i mean i'm just like always trying to figure out ways to make new stuff so as much as i can do i always want to be collaborating as much as possible and starting new projects i probably will actually next year start a new project (laughs) i'm i'm crazy i'm a crazy person you've got the the creative juices running through you you're you know yeah you're doing your thing you could be (laughs) sitting at home during a quarantine just watching netflix for nine months you know nothing wrong with that but yeah i'm definitely not doing that (laughs) (laughs) do you feel like the the vocal degree like really still informs your process of things actually not at all i feel like I want to be controversial here to my voice teacher who I love dearly, but um, I feel like it messed me up because <laughs> it got, it kind of taught like the classical singing obviously taught me a lot of great foundational stuff, but it also like, I came out of college singing very strange, like very like classically influenced pop singing, mm. like and just because it was so in my brain. So I was like, I do my T's really hard. Like, because that's what you did in classical, like, you very strong consonants. So it'd be like, I don't know. You are my sunshine. Very, like, <laughs> emphatic. Very, very extreme. And then, like, I don't know, my, my... I just had some notes that sounded operatic. I think I probably still do a little bit, but at this point I'm fine with a little bit, but at that point it was it was too much. It was too much. So, um I yeah. relearned how to sing by recording though. Like just being able to hear myself so closely in the mic. It's just a great teacher cuz you'll be like, "Oh, shit, that sounds terrible." <laughs> and then you right. do it over and, and over you're again. In- yeah. You're having to listen to it over and yeah. over again, too, which, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you learn to, a lot for, about your voice when you're listening to it over and over again, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, it definitely sounds like you're uh, singing very naturally to me Thank throughout you. the songs. I don't, I'm not hearing any wild consonants <laughs> these days. No. <laughs> I probably went a little too far in the opposite direction. Now my mom is like, you know, Allie, um, I honestly think that your songs could get popular if if people could tell what you were saying. Because she's very mad that I don't pronounce my words very clearly now. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, it's a style. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's a vibe. <laughs> and what about, like, vocal takes? Are you, like, being the perfectionist that you are with and, and being meticulous about other things, like, in the mix... Are you like to some point where you're like 
willing to maybe sacrifice some perfection if like the energy and the feel of the vocal take is is right Ooh, that's a tough one um because well, i feel like that's that like yeah i don't know with with pop music yeah you know maybe that's something that doesn't really serve the song to have some some note that you know isn't isn't there mm. I, yeah, I actually think it is genre based because I don't do a lot of singing in the pop stuff that is like very like I'm not necessarily pushing my voice a lot um, or trying to be loud. It's more about the tone. Um, okay. So the yeah, I guess if the tone is right, I'll sacrifice a note. For the tone um getting getting enough water drinking enough water is really important when i'm doing it um but the thing is like when you do everything yourself obviously you can definitely go down the rabbit hole of doing it too many times so when i first started <laughs> um recording on my own i would do like three whole like not just like three takes but like an hour long of takes three different times or it's sometimes two hour long of takes. So that's like hundreds of takes. I'd, <laughs> I'd bounce, I'd bounce that down. I'd comp it. And then I'd be like the next day, I like, Oh, I hate it. <laughs> so I do it again. <laughs> but honestly, okay. In a way though, that was just practice. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, you don't want to do that much comping and sing for you don't get any better right. over the course of two hours but it does sort of like get the song in your i don't know for me like recording is almost like a form of practice so i don't know i think i'm a little bit better at like not overdoing it with the takes and stuff now nowadays but i i definitely can go down that road <laughs> so for sure well uh yeah I certainly appreciate the tunes. Thanks, dude. Uh, quite a bit. I don't know. These last, these last few years, I've leaned heavy into the into the pop music, and uh, yeah, it's definitely not something I shy away from. I guess I'm kind of looking looking for the stuff that uh, hits for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of great stuff out there. Yeah. That is in that genre yeah. for sure. Yay. Um Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. I'm curious, like what outside of music, what's what is uh some things that like keep you in tune with your shit? Like what do you what do you like doing outside of music? Um hmm, I feel like this is like my bio to something, you know. Mm, I like hiking. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my dogs. I am actually. Um, I mean, I like photos. That's part of pastel. But I like taking photos. Yeah, have um, you done that for a long time? Not super long. I think I just like being creative. I'm like one of those people that I'm probably not any good at most of it. But um, I just like feel compelled <laughs> to just like I, you know, I like decorating my home i like painting you know i, I did that actually I did that yeah i mean it looks I mean, good yeah 
right? I mean, you're, and your music's really good. Like <laughs> you're you're a really fucking good songwriter. Okay. So you're you're doing your thing. I'm doing it. I'm just doing what I like. I like being creative in any form. And uh, yeah, you mentioned at the top of the conversation that I know a lot of your uh, your mutual friends. This uh, this powerful group of women that you seem to surround yourself yeah. with often. Um, what is it about that particular group of ladies that you like to, uh, that you draw from and enjoy being around? They're just, I don't know what it is, like how we ended up together. Um, I'll tell you what it is. It's me being annoying. I'm willing to be the person who's like, Hey, come to this thing. Like, even if people don't come and I get sad a little bit, like, I'll still be the person to invite people places. So, I don't know. I met all of those ladies sort of, like, individually and through Instagram, a lot of them, honestly. When I first got here, I was just, like, meeting people through Instagram and being that weirdo who'd, like, go on coffee meetups and, um, yeah. And then... I just invited people over in enough times to where we decided to do it like before the pandemic, we were trying to do it like monthly kind of like just as like a artist, like lady artist, pour your soul out to each other and talk about what's going on. And and then, you know, it's sort of fizzled out because we can't really be around each other. Not totally, but, you know, we still have our little DM thing in our instagram chat (laughs) yeah yeah but i love them we share common emo souls um and we like being creative so (laughs) yeah well many of them are past guests of the podcast and uh yeah and many of them i consider friends and and uh some of my favorite musicians and and people in the city so yeah Great I'm people. glad that you uh, are a part of that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad we got to to finally yeah. chat. Now we're actually friends. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now when we see each other, we don't have to yeah. be uh, acquaintances through others. Exactly. In the meantime, though, people can check out all of your music on all the streaming services. Yes. I'll put all the links in the episode notes mm-hmm. so people can uh, can keep up with what you're doing and check out the Soft Tiger stuff. We're going to play play it out with a, a jam from that. Cool. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. It's a so what, So if bro? we could get the, the Nocilla. It's, it's, it's a program. Oh, program. Did I get it right? Program. So okay. If, yeah. So okay, if we cool. get the Nocila, it's a program. We can properly end this thing. Okay. It's a program. Did I do it? She nailed it, everybody. <laughs> yep. You did it. You did the thing. I uh, did it. Thank you so much for taking the time and doing this weird Zoom hang. You know? I love it. I was going to play it out with nothing lasts. All right. I feel like that's an inappropriate yes. ender for the podcast. Yes. And uh, you're the first. You're the first episode of the year, Allison. Twenty. First episode of 2021. Yes. Better be a coming better at one. you. It can't be worse, can it? <laughs> 
It better no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think this is uh we're ready for something good to happen. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. That's the that's the jelly jams playing it out with uh, the jam from soft tiger called nothing lasts and uh we'll catch you on the flip side portland boom, boom. we did it call me in the morning tell me life is boring you're so high you're so Oh, no.